When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's not often we quote Sir Alex Ferguson on this podcast, but to quote him, football, eh? Bloody hell. This is the 1865 match report on the night that Forrest beat Brighton 3-1 at home to move out of the Premier League relegation zone. My name is Rich Ferraro and I'm joined by Baz and we're going to hear from you in just a few minutes. But obviously it's a welcome victory for the Reds. First one in about 12 matches. Uh, Forrest lined up with a back five today. So Kaylor Navas was in goal. Nico Williams and Renan Lodi at the fullback slash wingback positions. And Serge Aurier returning as captain as the right-sided centre-half with Moussa Niakate the other side of Felipe. Oral Mangala was holding midfield with Danilo playing alongside Johnson and Gibbs-White who were playing just behind Taiwo Awanyi. Now, Baz, first victory in quite a long time. Just let's get it out of the way. We've just stepped out of the relegation zone. How does that feel? Brilliant. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. It's like... I said from the Man United game, you could see there was a little spark of a fight amongst the players. And then I didn't go to the Liverpool game, but obviously we scored two goals and had a bit of a um, a fight amongst us. And then today it was it was just it was like we got three goals, <laughs> five goals in two games. I know that's unheard of, isn't I it? I know. And yeah, and the players kept running and kept fighting, even when things looked pretty bleak in the first half. And I'm just going to quote what Baz said in the car, saying, we won that. Yeah, we did that. It was the fans that won it. OK, so we will, I'm sure, come back to that. Um, just to go through now, because there was so much that happened in this match, we're going to um, not do the thing where we go through the match chronologically because there's just too much to talk about. What I will do is I will just provide a summary of what happened in the first half. So... Um, the the first meaningful action, I suppose, came after about 15 minutes when um, Nico Williams was awarded a penalty. It looked a little bit soft to me and there was mm. an also a question mark about whether Gibbs White was offside. Um, but it didn't matter because Brennan Johnson duly went and missed it. <laughs> um, then 
after great work by Kaoru Mitoma, um, Solly March had a shot well saved by Navas. Then brilliant save. Yeah, Danilo uh, had a shot on the volley which went just wide. Brennan Johnson got through and beat Lewis Dunk in the foot race, and then he put the ball just wide. A few question marks about whether there was physical contact and whether that was mm. legal or not. And then in time on a tradition, um, Forrest also had an injury. So when Johnson took the penalty, we looked around and there was Nierkate, who was uh, who was prone and he had to be replaced by Joe Worrell. That wasn't it in terms of the action because there was still time for Forrest to then concede. <laughs> so it was, unfortunately, there's no two ways about it. Kalo Navas was at fault, firstly with a bad kick. And then secondly, another one of those instances where he saved the shot, the first shot, but he didn't push it out wide enough. And Fecundo Buonanotte, I think I pronounced that correctly, um, hitting the rebound with no challenge, really. But then... Forrest did get a lifeline and usually they concede just on the stroke of half-time or full-time. This time, some nice interpassing moves meant that Renan Lodi got out towards the left-hand wing. He tried to put the ball in across the face of goal. It took a deflection off Pascal Gross, the Brighton right-back, and that defeated Jason Steele. So we scored in in stoppage time at the end of the half. <laughs> and then I said, we made, we made it through the last minute before half time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so those are the facts. And it's taken me like nearly two minutes just to cover those facts because there's so much going on. And that wasn't even the good half. <laughs> um, I mean, a few things to note. Firstly, Forest formation. We've not seen Forest play in this particular formation before, have we? On paper, it's a 5-4-1, I guess. But it was more, yeah, 5-1 with Mangala sort of in front of the back five. And then three, Gibbs White, Johnson and Danilo. And then a one-year on his own up front. And the the reason for it was to put three in front of um, their two defensive midfielders, McAllister and whoever the other one was. Casado. Yeah. So, so we had like... They, they had a one year and then those three sandwiching those two defensive midfielders. Um, and it kind of worked, especially the first sort of 15 minutes. It's, it seemed to work. Basically, they couldn't get the ball either to them or from them, uh, which seemed to, to be quite good. And then they figured it out and they mm. completely ripped us to pieces because with four, those three midfielders playing that high up the pitch... It just left the rest of midfield completely open, and the they... rest of midfield being Mangala. Yes, <laughs> um, but yeah, they they totally tore us to bits, and most of the first half was, well, I've I've said in various messages to people, it was a heart attack. Yeah. So without preempting what we're going to say about Steve Cooper's post match interview later, but he did allude to that being a deliberate, yeah, not just formation but deliberate tactic because. Yeah with the knowledge that Brighton are very, very good on the ball. They're very, very comfortable stroking it around. And the other feature I noticed of those first, maybe not quite 15 minutes, but in the first five minutes, they were really able to just slow it down because they, and I don't mean in the kind of dark art sense. I mean, literally, they were just playing the ball really slowly, Mm. short passes amongst themselves because they were so comfortable on the ball and that was their way of, I suppose, taking control of the match or trying to take control of the match and then turning up the wick, which is what they did 
later in the half. Mm. And those chances that we mentioned, um, particularly the Danilo and the Brennan Johnson shots, which just went wide, they were of a consequence of Forrest putting pressure on. But most of the half, I think it's fair to say, Brighton used their superiority on the ball to to try and push us back, which meant that all of a sudden that formation looked a little bit fragile. Yeah, definitely. Um, I would also mention that uh, although Mangala was a bit overwhelmed at the time, I thought he played really well today. Yeah, yeah. He looked very comfortable on the ball. He looked like he's really enjoying playing as a midfield pivot as well. Yeah, and he, he did some like little Gibbs-White type tricks as well, where like he was under a lot of pressure and then he'd swap the ball between both his feet and then turn the man and then he was clear. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he he, he did um, a FIFA special move, didn't he? When he mm. got a hospital pass from Danilo on the halfway line, it looked as though two Brighton men were closing up on him and... And yeah, he he just did a, a swivel on the ball um, and and came away with it, and then still found the pass. So mm. he was obviously enjoying himself in that role. And it begs the question about have we not been using him to the best, you know, to his best strengths to accommodate other players and with injuries and so on. So that's another matter. Um, the goal that Forrest conceded, it was a poor one, wasn't it? It was a poor one. But even if Navas hadn't made the mistake. I wouldn't have been surprised if we'd conceded. The way Brighton were tearing us to pieces at that point, it it was inevitable that we were going to concede. Do you share the frustration I do, which is Navas, you know, one of the most decorated goalkeepers in world football. Um, You know, you've said before you think he's one of the greatest goalkeepers you've seen in the flesh. Mm. And that save from Solly March was absolutely outstanding reaction save. And bearing in mind that he's not... He's not the tallest keeper, but to kind of stretch up and push it over when it's hit with some force. And that was an outstanding save. So for him to do that and then get something as simple as pushing out a not particularly strong goal-bound effort, I find that frustrating, don't you? Yeah, he obviously, he does, he he prefers to, to punch the ball clear. It's just, yeah, he gets the direction wrong, doesn't he? Yeah, and 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 it, so in that sense, it was, it was a needless goal to concede. And of course, what I'm going to say now is something that we will come back to when we talk about the second half, which is that Forrest scored two goals at weekend. They've shown a little bit of sign of spirit. But then in this half, they got awarded a soft penalty. They then um missed it and it let's just get this out of the way okay there was as usual a few shenanigans around you know before mm. the penalty was taken the var check was taking a while also morgan gibbs white grabs the ball and it's obvious to me that he was grabbing the ball as a decoy and he was going to give it to Brennan to take the penalty. In my mind, he gave it to Brennan too early because there's still enough Brighton players around to kind of... And the ref slowed it down as well. Now, none of that is any uh, excuse for the fact that Brennan, as the first choice penalty taker, took another poor penalty, in my humble opinion. So I'm going to put it out there and say it was a poor penalty, not a great save. You're looking sceptical. Um, it was, I think it... <laughs> It wasn't the best penalty, definitely. Um, But the keeper also knew which way he was going. And Mm -hmm. that's why it looks like a great save. So it it was not close enough to the post. Mm -hmm. It was not quite hit hard enough. 
and, and the keeper is, knew. And and the old cliche is nice height for the keeper. Yeah. Um, so and you know it, there was just that kind of moment of of silence in in the ground where there's just that deflation. Every, every fan kind of breathed out. Like, oh. And then we concede a soft goal. And we also have those efforts that go just wide. And, you know, there's just little bits and pieces going on here and there. And you think... I'll say this as well. For periods in the first half, the city ground was pretty much silent, which I've not really heard this season. Because it felt, as I say, Brighton were pulling us to pieces. Mm. And... Having missed the penalty and then conce- and then later conceding a soft goal, it was like this is going to be one of those days, and that's the end of it all. Well, this this anticipates what I was going to say. So, um, again, for for people who might be new to the podcast, regular listeners will have heard us say this before. Baz, you and I have been watching football together for many many years, mm. and we've seen Forest get relegated many many times, <laughs> and. This is one of those instances where we say, oh, it's a relegation in camp. So Forrest, they're huffing and puffing. They're trying everything, but the penalty's missed. We concede a soft goal. Um, Felipe was booked after four minutes, and I still have no idea why. <laughs> <laughs> Things like that. Losing near Carte. And you kind of go, well, that's what happens when you're going down. Mm. And so I am going to contend. I, I went to meet my friend um, in the concourse at half time. And we had a little conversation where we said that the Pascal Gross own goal in first half stoppage time was the first bit of luck where the ball has run our way in about eight games. Yep. And um, we had a bit more than the second half. Well, yeah, yeah. And so it's one of those things, isn't it? You don't get luck. The ball doesn't go your way. Mm. You do feel like every, you know, every time there's just someone or something that happens that stops stops things going your way. And we have felt that a lot, mm. you know. And so to get that equaliser, something went our way. So it was one all at half time. Now, second half, worth also commenting that in the first half, Taiwo had gone down with what looked like a very painful shoulder injury. Yep. Um, but he's, and he, it looked like maybe he dislocated it or broken his collarbone. And we were just bemoaning the curse again, weren't we? Yeah. Um, but he was able to, we were expecting him to be removed at half time, weren't we? Yeah. Well, basically yeah, he, he went off with the physios and then immediately came back on and it was like his shoulder was all right. Whereas he was obvious pain yeah. when he was going off. So, that walk to the touchline and back seemed to have cured him. But yeah. we were thinking maybe he's just like playing on for the... To, to, yeah, for the I mean, my thought was, and as somebody who did this many, many years ago, is that maybe the shoulder popped out briefly and then popped back in. So it's really, really painful in the moment, but actually it's okay. There's there's no kind of further medical intervention required. Mm. Um, so maybe that happened. We We don't really know. But he so, did he did come out for the second half, which was a bit did. of a relief. So no changes. And the other thing that a few people there's a bit of wailing and gnashing of teeth in the in the seats near where we were. People saying, "Well, this formation's not working. We're getting outnumbered um, in certain areas of the pitch, and then there's too many defenders." Mm. And it's worth pointing out it was very much a back five. It wasn't. Yeah, they were playing as as. So the width in the Forest team came from having five across the back. The three behind Awanyi were playing very narrow, Brennan and, and Gibbs White either yeah. side of Danilo. And so 
we were wondering if that might be tweaked slightly. And the answer was it wasn't. But this is where we maybe talk about the difference between formations and tactics. Because Forrest, yes, it took a little while to get the motor running. But when they started doing well, the formation actually worked very, very effectively, didn't it? And that's what happens when you move the ball more quickly, when you actually have that emphasis upon moving forward rather than getting pinned back, which is what we mean often when we talk about tactics. Yeah, um, I'd also say because Brighton had a chance, what, five minutes in or something? Mm -hmm. Is it Matoma? Yep, yep. So this was when Forrest got caught on the break really mm. quite badly, didn't they? So I think it was Buonanotte, um went through on goal. Nico was chasing back having to run 100 miles an hour and then he and, was yeah, in that it was two versus one with Nico between the two of them and Nico was in that dilemma of how much do I go to the ball how much do I consider and he did very very well yeah. so he couldn't stop the pass going to Matoma but Matoma who we know is a really really classy player in great great form he did fabulous work to set up March in the in the first half for that chance that Navas saved and he tried to cut across the ball, a Sam Surridge type finish. Mm. And everyone else around us seemed way more confident it was going wide than I was because <laughs> it did seem to curl in at the last minute. I, I haven't seen the replay to know exactly how close it was, but let's just say I was holding my breath. But yeah, yeah as you say, Williams did exactly the right thing. He, he couldn't stop the pass. But his positioning meant that Mitoma had to just go that little step out, mm. which made the angle that little bit harder for him. Yes. So it but, was a let off. But now this is where I think we made the difference because over the last few months, we've conceded just before half time. We've conceded just before full time. We've conceded just after half time. We almost conceded just after half time. So at this point, the Forest fans decided we're not going to let this happen again. And, I mean, if you thought that the Man City game was loud, this was louder than anything I've ever heard at the, at the City. Forest, moment. indeed, are magic on and off the pitch, I would say. Mm -hmm. um, so that was the main refrain once again. In, in, in some ways, actually, it reminded me a little bit about the Sheffield United playoff mm. uh, in the sense of, you know... I, I, It'll be em emblazoned upon my mind and my memories and, and on my heart, actually. Ryan Yates in the post-match interview of that one saying, it was the fans that got us over the line. With 10 minutes to go of extra time, we were blowing, we had nothing left and the fans got us, got us through that. Yep. And it felt like that tonight, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, and it gave Forest, the Forest players this extra spring in their step. And as you said, we started moving the ball forwards. We started pressuring them higher up the pitch but it also partly because the the forest players had this extra energy but also i think the brighton players because it was quite a young team they put out mm. i think they lost their nerve at that level of noise and their, their passes started going astray and they kept putting the, the ball out for throw-ins when they could have kept possession that, that possession game basically they, they got a little bit of the fear didn't they yeah and and that's basically where where our second half performance came from. OK, now let's talk about something that is important in amongst all of this, which is that on 65 minutes, the injury curse hit us again, didn't it? So yeah. we had 
a cross came in from the left hand side from Ren and Loddy, who again I would say actually had a very good match yep. today. Um, and as it came across, Nico Williams was trying to get in to head in at the back stick. He made contact with the ball, but he landed heavily, colliding with Brennan Johnson. It was the, I thought it was with the keeper from where I was, mm. but it was it was Brennan Johnson. And then Nico went down and was very still. And the physios came on and then the paramedics came on and then they brought on the stretcher and then they just couldn't put him on the stretcher. So they had to use the scoop, which made me think there's something very wrong here. Mm. Now, we couldn't see what it was, but we're assuming that it is a head injury because Steve Cooper talked about blood and also that it was a head injury because later on Forrest were able to make a fourth substitution Mm. um, or have a fourth substitution window rather. Um, now, two things about that. Number one, Nico had possibly the best game. I've, I've not been to every match this season, but he had possibly the best game that I've seen him play um, tonight. I thought he looked really comfortable. He looked like he'd gained some confidence again. And he didn't look like the rabbit in the headlights he has done sometimes. Yeah, and I get that. I think that's from the from the change in formation. He's a wing-back, not a full-back. Yeah, and yeah. We've said that before. And, of course, he played well against Liverpool as yeah. well. I wasn't there, but, but you know, he's he, he got his goal and he looked like a threat. And he looked much more comfortable defensively as well as going forward. Um, so, and I'd imagine that getting that goal against his old club probably gave him a bit of confidence yeah. as well. So he he went for it. And he put his body on the line and, and unfortunately his body came off worse. But that also meant a change. So Czech Coyote came on and we were speculating about whether that would mean Coyote would play in the back three. Because he has done that before. Yeah, he? he has done that before. And Worrell had slotted in as a straight swap for Niakate to keep the back three um, in the first half. And obviously so we, thought, we had Aurier yeah, in there. So Aurier could move across to right wing back. But actually we went to a back four and we basically played a 4-2-3-1 from this point, didn't we? Yeah. Which meant that Kuyate, well, now it wasn't a 4-2-3, it was a 4-1-4-1. Mangala still remained as the pivot. So mm. Kuyate and Danilo played and uh, with Gibbs White on one flank and Johnson on the other. And actually I thought that worked really well because Mangala was still doing his, his stuff in, mm. in that pivot role. But we talked a few times, haven't we, about with no Yates and no Kiate, we missed that combative nature in the kind of number eight position. And Kiate did make a difference, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. He was he was again he was if if he was mobile, which our midfield's been quite flat and and static for for a what long time. He was very, very mobile and like the one the thing I noticed was there's a lots of times where he would come back and cover for the fullback mm. or help the fullback out. So we had extra numbers defensively. And that's that's a job that we've seen Yatesy do so yeah. many times in the past as well. So so having I say that that physical number eight. But then the other thing I will just say about Kuyate is that he did it with a good degree of know-how. So, for example, there's a little there's a little moment. It's, mm. it's, it's inconsequential in terms of the game, but there's a little moment um, when a Brighton player was wanting to have a little bit of a um, little bit of a dig, and in, and there's no need for Kayate to get uh, get involved. It was between the Brighton player and um, and Aurier, but Kayate just deliberately kind of brushed past, kind of had a little dig at the Brighton mm. player, and then 
kind of walked past the ref, strutted past the ref as if like, no one's going to get me for that. He knew what he was yeah. doing. And again, that kind of psychological factor, starting with the fans and then bringing on a player with such experience and know-how massively helped. And it wasn't long after Kiate came on that Forrest went in the lead. And this is a ball coming through the midfield, Taiwo laying it off for Danilo, who ran through. I think through. it was Danilo that won it and gave it to Taiwo in the first place. Yeah, yeah, fair point. And and but again, this is that thing about mobile midfield breaking breaking forwards, which we've missed for the last few months. Is yeah, so Taiwo receives this ball, looks up where where's he going to play it, and Danilo's charging forwards ahead of him, and Taiwo just picks him out, and then. To be fair to Danilo, there the Brighton defenders started force exactly what I was saying about William Nico in the first half. The Brighton defenders started to force him wide, and I was thinking he's gone too far out now. And and to use the old another another old cliche, he still had a lot to do, didn't he? Yes, um, because because he's not had the greatest shots in his Forest career, but he he did a really good finish to, to actually squeeze it in. Yeah, he, he ran past the defender. There was one moment where it looked like his touch was going to let him down, but mm. he, he rescued it. And, and his pace, his pace was like, you know, Lewis Dunk and just couldn't cope with pace. Yeah. And Danilo got past him, still tried to narrow the angle. And, and Danilo kind of slotted it home. And didn't he look happy to score his <laughs> yeah. first goal in front of the Trent end? <laughs> he just ran to the corner flag and was mobbed by everyone. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, um, so Forrest took the lead, and you know what? We're going well. This is great, but there's still a long way to go. Because that long, was long way to go. That was on, I think, sixty-eight minutes. And with the Williams injury, yeah, we knew there was going to be ten minutes for that. Yeah, and and there's another moment not long after where it could have been, it could have we could have put it to bed a little bit earlier. So. Um, the ball came in from the right-hand side. Danilo laid it off for Gibbs-White, who's on the just towards the edge of the penalty area, middle of the box. And he tried to curl it to the top corner. And of all the players in our team, you'd want to be doing that. <laughs> well, he was the one, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. It, but, it looked like a, a perfect, like, this is a Gibbs-White opportunity. And he just grazed the bar. Yeah. And, you know, there were moments where we thought, okay, this is this is going to get hairy. So in terms of substitutions, let's just say that Brighton put lots of forwards on and Forrest took lots of forwards off. <laughs> we, we were playing a back four and Brighton were playing a front six. Yeah, so Brighton brought on Danny Welbeck, they brought on Dennis Undav, um, they, they took off defenders to do that um, and they basically, yeah, went to kind of... I would describe as a, essentially a sort of a two-two-six formation, yeah. um, and so Forrest's response was to make some substitutions. There was a bit of grumbling about the fact that um, Taiwo was taken off on eighty minutes and replaced by Andre Ayew. Again, one of those cases of well, what's Surridge got to do to deserve a chance? But I can see why Ayew was brought on in terms of logic. Mm which is that Surridge isn't a hold-the-ball-up type of player, and IU would hopefully be able to... And IU did, did fine, didn't he? Yeah, uh, he did what he was supposed to do, which was run around a lot and be an owl for the ball. Yeah. Um, 
Brennan came off on 86 minutes, which was the fourth substitution. We're going, no, they're not allowed to do that. But then that's when you realise that Nico must have been a concussion substitution. Yep. And Toff came on and essentially Gibbs White came to the right side. Toff played left side. And both Morgan and Toff doubled up with their fullbacks to kind of counter the threat of Gross on one side and Mitoma and, and March on the other that didn't mean that there wasn't a late chance for Brighton. So Solly March came in from the left-hand side. It looked to me like he was trying to cross, but actually it, it was a cross shot. Mm. And it did take a good save from Navas. There was another corner that came in where we thought, oh gosh, every defender's missed it. And Navas leapt like a salmon <laughs> to, to punch it away, which was a vital intervention. And then all of a sudden you get into those uh, many, many minutes of stoppage time. Uh, just as we're entering stoppage time and Forrest have a corner, ball comes in. There didn't seem to be any real pressure, but inexplicably, Lewis Dunk stuck his hand out, even from where we were sat, which wasn't the clearest view. We are going, that's a handball, isn't it? The, the referee, referee ignored it. <laughs> well, the referee did that thing that sometimes they do since VAR's been introduced, which is they thought, I'm going to hedge my bets. And if it's, if it's a penalty. And um, where we were sitting in the uh, lower Brian Clough, what was amusing about the VAR call was that loads of people turned around to try and watch the tellies in the executive boxes, um, which we couldn't see. But from the reaction of the people in the executive boxes, it was very clear that they thought it was a handball. (laughs) The ref goes over to the monitor and duly awards the penalty. Now, two penalties in one game. Two penalties in one game. Johnson took a soft penalty, which which was saved relatively simply. And then we were going, Andre Ayew's not going to take it because <laughs> he took a soft penalty. It was saved pretty easily. But no, Gibbs White took it. And I was confident with Brennan. I kind of had that feeling you get, oh, I don't think he's going to score this. With Morgan, I was confident he was going to put it away. And again, he enjoyed it, didn't he? Yep. <laughs> and so really important to do that. And then still time in amongst the 12 minutes or so of stoppage time for there to be another VAR moment. And this one went in our favour as well. So this was a header across, I think, across coming in from the right. I think it was McAllister maybe who headed it or maybe Welbeck. And Undav headed it in. If he hadn't headed it in, it might have gone in anyway. I don't know without seeing a replay. But Undav headed it in. He was ruled to be offside. And the match eventually, breathlessly, finished 3-1 3-1 to Nottingham Forest. The 1865 Match Report. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to 1865, the Nottingham Forest podcast. Okay, so we won the game 3-1 and that feels really good. We're going to talk a little bit about what that means for the table. We are going to talk about Steve Cooper's reaction uh, in just a minute. But first, it's time for this. Hi, it's Callum with the 1865 News. 
Um, we had some disappointing news come out this week about John Joe Shelby. Um, he was ordered to stay at home by the manager after a furious reaction to being on the bench against Liverpool. Um, obviously, after the mistake against Aston Villa and the penalty given away against Everton and other mistakes like that, I don't think there's too much to argue about there. And obviously, with, with the poor attitude, he's been told to stay at home and wasn't included in the match day squad. So we'll have to see how that goes from there. Um, Scott McKenna made his 100th appearance for Forrest, um, a great servant since he's arrived, but unfortunately on that 100th appearance uh, was injured and is out for the rest of the season with a fractured collarbone, uh, joining Biancone, Richards, Wood and Bolly, who are out for the rest of the season now, obviously added to a host of names that are on the injury list at the moment. Um, but good news is Koyate and Aurier are not far off full training with the group, as confirmed by Steve Cooper, so hopefully we should have them back soon um, for the running. Uh, thank you very much and I'll be back again with the news soon. Thank you very much, Callum. Now, obviously, that was recorded before tonight's match. So <laughs> what we know now is that Oriane Kuyate uh, um, did actually play. Um, you know, one started, one came on as a sub. And, of course, since then, we've added to the injuries. Near Kate, it seems, might be his hamstring again. Um, and and then Nico, who knows, we'll have, to, we'll have to wait and see. But if it's concussion, then obviously he's going to be missing for uh, 10 days as per the protocols. I mean, what what have we done to deserve, you know, two or three injuries every single match? I know, it's it's like and Steve Cooper talks about his game plans, part of the game plan must be to keep one substitution slot free for the first half. Because mm. that's what it's that's what it's been for most of the games recently. And Cooper did also say himself, like you don't want managers to talk about luck, do you? Because that's a sign that they don't feel in control. Mm. But what he did say, he talked about luck for the first time in the post-match interview today because he said that with the missed penalty and Musa going down and then conceding that goal, well, Renan Lodi's goal meant, or rather the own goal by Gross, as it's been credited, mm. meant that the fans and Cooper himself and the players had been thinking, oh, luck, luck's going against us again. So that's the first time he's mentioned it. Um, what else did Cooper have to say that was of note in his post-match? Well, um, as Callum mentioned, uh, John Joe Shelby has um, been in the news recently because um, he was apparently, according to the Telegraph, he was banished from the squad. Banished, the I tell you. Banished. From, from the squad from the Liverpool game because of his outburst was the word used in the article mm-hmm. um, at being at not playing um, he wasn't on the bench again today now if you've listened to any of our recent reports and uh, any of our recent podcasts you'll know that we're us lot we're pro- pretty much of the opinion that Shelby's kind of made the team worse mm-hmm but yep. what I thought was interesting is in his interview with Radio Nottingham, Colin Frey said, I have to ask you about John Joe Shelby and these. this is what I've heard. And Steve Cooper rightly said, it was a training ground thing, so I'm going to keep it private. But what struck me was he immediately followed it up with what's important is the players who are on the pitch showing the fight that's needed or some, something along those lines. So... If we deconstruct that, 
there's two there's two elements to that. Firstly, Cooper didn't deny no. that there'd been a bust up, although he did deny it was a confrontation. Yeah. And secondly, because you you know you've got uh, you know people who are Newcastle fans and so on. And our conclusion from that we wanted players who were up for the fight was basically Shelby's a mardass. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's yeah. Uh, I thought I thought if you want to change the subject, <laughs> then you take something in a different direction. And what he's basically saying is, I'm going to change the subject by talking about the fight that the players that were on the pitch have. And that's kind of implying that he doesn't have that fight. Or it's implying that he's thrown his toys out of the pram mm. and therefore it would have been disruptive to have Shelby in the squad. Whereas what is good is that even when we're under the cosh, there was a sign of unity and spirit amongst the Forest players for most of the match yeah. tonight. And if you've got a player who's having a mard, then that's going to disrupt it, isn't it? Yeah, um, even, if, even if they're not on the pitch, even if they're on the bench. Yeah. And you said that there's been some speculation that one of the reasons Eddie Howe was happy to let Shelby go was because when he's not in the team, he gets a bit mardy. Yeah, there, there's an, an article which, I, if I remember right, was published today, um, just talking about it, basically saying that he's one of those players who loves to play football, wants to be in the team all the time, which is all, all very good. But... When he isn't in the team, he throws his toys out of the pram a little bit. And when Eddie Howe came in at Newcastle, he made a big point of looking after Shelby and saying, you're going to be in the team and whatever. And then as he dropped down the pecking order, he started getting unhappy about it. And even though Howe wanted to keep him, he realised that he would be disruptive because he wasn't getting in the team. So that's why he agreed to let him go. The plot thickens. Okay, did um, Steve Cooper have anything else of note to say about... Because the thing that struck me is, as so often, he talked about the plan and he thanked the players for sticking to the plan. Now, having a plan is good when you're winning and it's not so good when you because it means that you get accused of being rigid as a coach. But actually sticking with the plan tonight, I say, let's not worry too much about formations but thinking about the tactics it was a case of in the first half Forrest sat off a bit and in the second half they they pushed forward a bit that struck me as probably a deliberate move yeah I mean that, that seems to be again it's, it seems to be one of the things Cooper likes to do when he knows the opposition team are going to have lots of possession is to try and contain them at first and then go for it when they're tiring and, and whatever in, in this towards the end of the, sec the second half and that's exactly what we did against um, Man City when, when he put Chris Wood on Chris Wood was there because he knew that he'd be out there, there'd be someone needed someone to hold the ball up at that point but there was no point putting someone to hold the ball up earlier because Man City would just keep it mm -hmm. and of course crucially Taiwo coming back in the team, when he went down, you were sort of saying, well, that's our season over if yeah. if he's out um, with like a dislocated shoulder or a collarbone or something like that. But Taiwo, earlier in the season, we saw his role adapt as we were playing that 4-3-1-2 uh, formation. And actually, he's he's been playing as a proper, proper 
number nine yeah. kind of player, hasn't he, in the, in the last couple of matches. And and the thing he gives us, it's not just that he's a focal point to, to receive the ball, but when he's got it, he keeps it. And when he hasn't got it, he worries their defenders mm-hmm. because because he's so awkward, he's all over them. And they they don't know which way he's going to go when, when he does receive it because he, he sort of barges into them and then rolls the other way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, talking about players, Danilo got the sponsor's man of the match. Gibbs White was the man who was interviewed by uh, by the TV at the end of the game. And I think it's what's very pleasant is this is a match where I wouldn't look at any player and say they underperformed tonight. I mean, there, there are a few hairy moments, as mm. there will be when you're up against a team as good as Brighton. I would also say that Brighton were probably suffering as a result of their, their FA Cup. Uh, sorry, was it FA Cup? Yeah, yeah, FA Cup semi-final at the weekend. So playing 120 minutes plus penalties going out that way. The Forest fans were enjoying singing We Watched You Cry on the telly. Um, I think physically and mentally it probably took its toll a little bit, especially when the Forest fans turned up the heat. Yeah, and like the, the lad who scored, he's only 18 yeah, uh, there was another youngster who was nineteen. I in think, the season, in his, yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, to be to to come from a demoralising defeat and then have that atmosphere thrown at you, mm-hmm. if you're you're a young kid who's not really used to it, that's that's got to be difficult. Although the player who I thought was most notable in in crumbling, and I, maybe that's too strong, but the player who 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 seemed to get rattled was that experienced. Captain, talisman and leader, Lewis mm. Dunk, who pl- played every ball out into touch, um, got outpaced regularly and, and did that inexplicable handball. Yep. So, you know, again, it's not just physical, it's mental as well, isn't mm. it? Um, so Forrest did manage to take advantage of that, which is what we're all hoping, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, I, th- I mean, there's going to be changes for the Brentford match to the team, isn't there? Because we have to. We because, have to, yeah. Yeah. Um, but we're also saying that Brentford, they're, they're a strange fruit, aren't they? Because I, I have this sneaking feeling that they are a big game team. They will, they'll play really well against kind of teams in the top half. And then you never quite know what you're going to get against in the, in the kind of matches against teams below them. Yeah. And, and coupled with that, they're, 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 they haven't really got much to play for now. Um, mm-hmm. they they've, kind of overachieved well definitely overachieved this season um they're they're much higher up the table than they were probably expecting and then so they're they're probably resting on their laurels a bit apart from yeah if they're if they're playing a a a big big like a top six side then yeah you're going to be up for that but if you're playing a side that's uh, that's no marks that were at the same level as you before well Okay, I wasn't quite expecting you to use that kind of language, but there you go. Um, so before we, we we wind up, just a, a couple of things that we would like to uh, draw your attention to. So the first thing is, uh, if you follow us on social media, you can look for 1865, the Nottingham Forest podcast on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, and indeed Facebook, if you're still using that. And you will have noticed on our social media posts that we now have a partnership with the Football Prizes account. And this week, 
There was a Brennan Johnson signed and framed shirt, which was won by someone called Darren Brown. So congratulations to you, Darren. We will also be promoting next week's prize and prizes in the future. And the next prize is going to be a Ryan Yates shirt. So keep an eye on our social media on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram for those. Last but not least, Baz, um, let's we've, we've alluded to the fact we're out of the relegation zone. What does the table look like to you at this stage? Still hairy, but we're starting to get momentum. Okay, so for the sake of um, completeness, Forest are in 17th place. They're one point ahead of Leicester, equal on points with Leeds, who are in 16th, but obviously have a better goal difference. And it's a bit of a strange one, isn't it? The whole thing about teams playing each other and taking points off each other. I'm going to be honest, I'm no stato, but... When I saw that West Ham played Bournemouth at the weekend and Leeds played Leicester last night, I was like, I don't really know what I want to happen there. So there's going to be a few more of those. And then then the other thing is the two teams below us have both got a game in hand on us. But two of the three teams below us, I think (laughs) you'll find. Um, But but is a game in hand worth anything when you're on a crappy run? It's worth two in the bush, apparently. Um, So we'll leave it there for tonight. We will obviously be back after the Brentford match. And then after that, uh, before the Southampton game, we're going to have one of our Forest Ramble discussion podcasts. So we hope that you will stick with us and join us again here on 1865, the Nottingham Forest podcast. Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.